The scripture reading today is from Genesis 12, 1 and 4, through 4, and 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5, and 9 and 10. Let us stand for the reading of God's word. Genesis 12, 1 through 4. And the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and, I will, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. And also, 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5, and 9 through 10. As you come to Jesus Christ, the living stone, rejected by people, but chosen by God and precious to him, you, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I want to talk to you, to you this morning about a word that I hear a lot. It's called uh, settledness. I thought about it because I knew that Pastor Haddad and Hoda would be here with us today. This is a word that sociologists are using a lot, settledness. It, it just means the state or situation of being settled, right? <laughs> but it's come to mean a whole lot more in recent years. And I think the biggest reason is because of so many people, millions of people, who are having to move out of their homelands as, as refugees into places like you serve in Lebanon, also many, many in Europe, so that now a lot of sociologists are, are trying to find out um, what do people have to experience to feel settled in a place? And by that, they mean that they feel at home, welcomed, and actually have found their lives in this new situation and in this new place. In Europe, because there are so many people who have moved in, um, they've done a lot of studies about this to find out about settledness, not only for the refugees who are coming in, but for the cities where they're going into with the refugees being there and sometimes the people in those cities don't want them, you know? So uh, in one particular study done by the European Research Conference, it was held in London a couple of years ago, they boiled down that what human beings need to feel settled, I mean, to find their lives and to be happy, are four things. I'll show them to you right now. Mm -hmm. Likes the neighborhood, two, uh, good transportation links, three, near shops and amenities, and number four, no concerns about crime or antisocial behavior of the people there. Hmm. I read those four and I thought, I wonder how much money it took them to come up with those. <laughs> they seem like kind of common sense, don't they? 
when you see that. I mean, those are the sorts of things. But here's the question I want to ask you. I'm going to keep it up there. Look at those. Do you think that if you uh, had all of that, you would really found your, find your life? That if that were true of your life, you would find what brings satisfaction and what you've been looking for, this settledness. I mean, if you had all those things, would you experience that? I mean, they seem to be good common sense things, right? I mean, it's not bad to experience these, is it? To be settled in that way? Uh, or, or, or is it? Well, you know me, so you may not be surprised to know that I, as your senior pastor, if that's what settledness is about, I think I want us to be unsettled, okay? I want to have you unsettled here today. By that, I'm not saying that I don't want you to like your neighborhood. And by that, I don't mean I want you to take your kids into a place where there's antisocial behavior going on and no crime, though I don't know any place in the world where that is true. I am saying you can have all that stuff. You can have it all and you will still not find your life. You will never be fully satisfied and at peace if you think that your reason for living is found in simply living in a good neighborhood, having good transportation links, being near shops and amenities, and not even being concerned about crime. It is the consistent and pervasive message of Scripture that you only really find your life that you'll only fully be settled when you live in obedience to God's call upon your life and that you actually sense that you are where you are because God put you there and you're going to live for him. Do you believe that? And that brings us today to the text that we're looking at, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. It, it was this covenant that God made with Abraham in in uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 4, that's called the Abrahamic Com Covenant. And, and let me set the stage. Um, we're three weeks into this series that we're calling The Biggest Story. One of the things that we're so much wanting you to see is that this Bible that we have is not just a random collection of stories, uh, you know, kind of religious stories. It's not simply a potpourri of spiritual insights to help us feel better. It's not even a religious manual for how to do religious routines and techniques. It's not even just a book that tells us about ethical living. Now, all of that is there. There are great stories in the Bible. There are tremendous insights for living. There certainly are ethics and lessons about how to live. But I'll tell you, they're all placed within what we're calling in this time a big story of what God is doing in this world. What the Bible has given us to do is to introduce God to us and to let us know our place in what he is doing. In the Bible story, it tells us how everything began. It tells us a lot about our history, what went wrong with our lives, what still is good about this world. It also tells us the role that we are to play in this world, and it tells us at the end about how God is going to bring everything to completion. And when he does, it is good. That is his story. Now, I, I've talked about this sort of thing so often. I said when God began his story, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, it was good. It was very good. But then in Genesis 3, everything went wrong. Walking away from God, personal relationships being messed up, messed up, us wrecking our world in so many ways. It's in the story. But I keep declaring to you John 3.16. In spite of all the imperfections in this world and in all of our lives, God loves this world with an everlasting love, and he loves you. 
so much that into this world, in history, God sent his one and only son as a part of him saying, I'm going to make those things that are wrong right in this world. And until that work is done, I'm going to call people into this story. Uh, The place where God actually began this story of writing everything that went wrong is, is the text that we look at today. Genesis chapter 12, both in the last two messages, Pastor Jeff Matisich and uh, Jeff Lewis from Cal Baptist. I guess you almost have to be named Jeff to preach in this series. Gregory Jeff Waybright preaching to you here today. Uh, I don't know why I threw that in, but, but they referred to this text as well. And I, I think it, this is the reason that in many ways this whole story of what God does that's described in the Bible is encapsulated in these four verses. You gotta think about it. When God met Abraham, in, called Abram at that time, in Genesis chapter 12, God had already revealed himself as the God of the entire universe. I mean, God made everything. So that when he meets this one man, Abram, you already know that he's not just the God of this one man or just his family or even his descendants, Israel. He's not even just the God of this earth. He is the God of the entire universe. And that God does not only love Abraham and his family, but all the people groups made up of individuals who are created in the image of God. That is worthy of an amen. He loves you and me. Hallelujah. It is so good. And... It tells us that he chose Abraham not because he and the people who'd come after him were more perfect than other people. And he says he chose them specifically to be a blessing to all the peoples of the world because God loves all the people of the world. He creates a family and places a family within communities in this world to tell of him and to bring blessing to him wherever his family is put. John Stott, who was such a mentor of mine through my years at Trinity before coming here, wrote about this all the time. I have one quote of his, I just want you to see it. So the Bible begins with the universe, uh, not just with the planet Earth. So God did not choose Abraham and Israel and forget the rest of people made in his image. God chose one people in order to bless others through them. So, one of the things I wanted you to see in this week's message is that for this message to get out and all the peoples of the world to be blessed, those of us who are God's people can't get settled in to one place or to one situation or sometimes even to one career Settledness in this world does not come about the way that the researchers think that it does. Simply by finding kind of a nice place to live or even you finding a good job. Now I've found my life. Or or by finding financial security or any of those things where most people think it is found. Our settledness is found in following Jesus wherever he calls us to go. Um, And this call of Abraham shows us what a life like that looks like. So I want you to know if you feel like you're a follower of Jesus, you need to listen to this message. (laughs) Because in Abraham, we see the way that this is to play out in the way we live every day of our lives. And I've just given you these three simple words. We are to go. We are to bless others. And when we do, that's when we find our lives. We are blessed. So go. Look at verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, 
Go from your country. Go from your people. Go from your father's household. Think of the cost of that. To the land I will show you. Now, I I want you to know that even though there are parts of the call to, to Abraham that were just for him, like he was to leave the place of Ur, the way that God worked here is the way that he always works when he meets people. That when people actually have a true encounter with God, the consistent pattern is he blesses those people, and then he sends those who meet him out to further his story in this world, to bring his blessing to others. Um, so if, if you claim that you know Jesus and have received the blessing of God's forgiveness and salvation, then let me tell you, you receive that blessing and you're to pass it on. He blesses you so that you can become a part of his greater story of making everything right in this world. I'll tell you, the go part of Genesis chapter 12 is something that I find every time in the Bible when somebody comes to know God in a personal way, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, Before sin entered this world, God had told people to go out and populate the world. Then in Genesis 3, when, when sin came into the world, he calls people to himself to make things right in our lives, and then he sends us out to do his right making work in this world. When people meet God, God calls us to get out of our settledness in things in this world, out of our comfort zones, and out to do and to further his work in this world. Can can I just show you a couple of places where that is so that you you know it wasn't just Abraham? There was Moses. You know the story, Exodus chapter 3. God met him through a burning bush and took him out of a meaningless desert But I'll tell you, he didn't just say, okay, now you've met me. He sent him right back into Egypt to do his work and to set his people free. Because otherwise they would have been assimilated in Egypt and a distinctive people through whom Jesus would be born could never have happened. Later, just to pick another story, Isaiah, as a young man in a very tough time among his own people, went into the temple one day. What happened to him is what I pray every time you come to Lake will happen to you. He met God and was astounded by it, and also experienced the forgiveness of God, the cleansing. I hope you do that as well. Know that whatever is in your past, God knows, and he is ready and has found a way to forgive you and cleanse you. He he was blessed, but it wasn't just his blessing so you can go home, and he said, well, I was really blessed I met God today. He said, you've got to go. Go out and say that judgment's coming to your own people. It wasn't a very fun task, and you know what Isaiah said? He he probably did say amen. Here am I, he said, send me. And that's not just the Old Testament. You get to the New Testament and you come to Mark chapter one and you have these four disciples out there fishing away like they always fish and their families had done before them and Jesus comes down to the shore and he says, repent and believe the gospel. And they do repent and they believe in Jesus. But what he does is he says, now go, go, follow me and go. And what they had to do was preach the good news of the kingdom. They had the privilege of stepping in and healing the sick and helping the poor to bring the message of salvation to other people. They were gonna become fishers of men. And then of course the apostle Paul, out there on the road to Syria, to Damascus, and as they were on that road, you remember Jesus broke into his life and he received the blessing of at least knowing that, that who Jesus was and 
coming into a new relationship with God. But I'll tell you what God said to him. Go, Paul. Get out. Go to Gentiles and tell about the good news. <laughs> a Pharisee going to Gentiles? Unimaginable. But in each one of those cases, what God really says is, when you meet me, I'll turn your life around and I will bless you. But then know this, I will send you. And in case you think it's just for those big time religious people in the Bible or the super Christians, those missionaries or, or pastors, if only we were that, <laughs> it, is not, it is for all of us. When we meet God, which is what we do when we place our faith in Jesus, right? When we meet God, he sends us out into his story and into his mission. The seminal text about this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where the apostle Paul said, I was living for myself until I met the one who died for me and rose again. Now I can't live for myself. I must live for him. And then he says, in fact, if anyone, if anyone is in Christ, that one is a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And that anyone who is in Christ becomes one who is entrusted with the message of God's reconciliation. We become his ambassadors. That's what Paul says. Representing him wherever he happens to send us. Um, I'll tell you, we often wrestle with where it is we're supposed to go when God says to us to go, don't we? I mean, I look at that verse 1 and I read this phrase, go to the place where I will show you. We wonder, how do we know that place where God shows us? I even wonder how God told Abraham that. He, he doesn't tell us specifically, but, but I'll tell you this. When I read the Bible, the places where we are to go are very, very different. For Abraham, he had to go away from his homeland. When you come to a place like Mark chapter 5, you had a man who was possessed by demons and set free, and he wanted to go and leave home with Jesus, and Jesus said, no, go back. Go back into your home. You have a tax collector, Matthew, who apparently had to leave tax collecting to follow Jesus on the road, but there was another tax collector named Zacchaeus who apparently was sent back into his home and into his career, but there to represent God. The places to which God calls us to go are always very, very different. Um, and yet I'll tell you, the way I, th I think about this is, the moment you get up in the morning and you know today I have to go to school, today I have to go to work, view that as ascending from God and go as his representative in that place. Now the thing I don't want you, us to miss at Lake Avenue Church just as I look out, did you notice in verse four that he was 75 years old when this came? I told Chris, there's hope for us to actually be used by God. I mean, that's the age in which we've already made a decision and plans and maybe already into this retirement, not into some sort of kingdom furthering mission. But I've got to tell you, that kind of thinking is not biblical thinking. As long as we have strength and health and minds, we should get up in the morning and ask God each day, where would you have me to go in order to serve you? And... Uh, the other thing I have to warn you about is when you live life this way, you know your life belongs to him and that you want to go and be whatever he'd have you go and be, it almost always involves some kind of loss. I mean, for Abraham, uh, 
the loss of things like his country, go from your country, go from your people, go from your father's household. Sometimes I think we'll be willing to go wherever you want as long as we don't have to give up those things that make us happy, where we find our settledness right now. Uh, I I think about that study that the European researchers did, that they said you can't really find your settledness unless you like the neighborhood. What if God calls you to a neighborhood you don't really like? Southern Californians, what if it's a place that's cold like Chicago? Are you simply going to go and find your settledness in him? Uh, It says uh, uh, you can't really find your happiness unless you have amenities and shopping. What if God sends you to a place that doesn't even have a Starbucks? I mean, it doesn't even have a Walmart. Can you go there and simply because God is there and because God has called you to be there, you're going to find your sufficiency in that you belong to him and you're going to obey his calling, whatever that may be, or to whatever place he calls you. I tell you, he he sometimes will call us away from our retirement plans long made. Students, sometimes I I know you sort of dream at school. I'm going to get home. I'm going to go gaming for a while and play video games all night. And he might break into your life and says, I have something bigger and better for you than just that. God's call almost always calls us away from some of those things that we put in his place that we get settled into. So don't get too settled in to anything in this world. I want you to be attentive to the voice of God saying to you, I have a big place for you to play in my biggest story. I think I've written this out for you. I want you to see, whenever you get up each morning, have the view that wherever you go is the place that today God would have you represent him. Whatever person you meet when you go, look at that person as a divine appointment. Be ready to show that person the love of God. Pray that God would give you opportunity to give witness to Jesus. Go, and then when you go, too, bless, bless. Abraham, you will be a blessing, verse two. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you, verse three. So here is what ministry is about. Again, I wrote this because I don't want you to miss this. Here is what real ministry in the name of Jesus is about. It is taking the blessings, the gifts and resources that God has given you and meeting needs in the name of Jesus. You ever thought about ministry that way? The blessings that God has given you, you say, Lord, these are just stewarded to me. I will use them in any way to meet others' needs in the name of Jesus. See, any time you say that God has blessed me, your muscle response should be, how might I use this blessing that comes from God that I've just received by grace actually to serve others? Now, as I always do, I was talking with everybody about this this week, and one person on Thursday that I talked with was our director of facilities, Levi Heidelberg. Do you know Levi? You should, oh man of God, man of prayer, Levi Heidelberg. And he said to me, Pastor Greg, you're going to have to be clear when you talk about this, about what God means by blessing. We naturally think of blessing in terms of money or a beautiful home or success at work or at school. Do you think he's right? Yeah. Those are blessings, those are blessings. And when, when you and I receive them, we need to have this muscle to think, oh yeah, God has given this, how can I use this to bless others? 
And in the coming weeks, we'll think more about how material blessings can be used to further God's work in the world. But today, I want to think about it in a bigger way, that God's people should view all of those good things that God gives us. Some of them are relationships. Some of them are, like Paul says in Ephesians 1, every spiritual blessing in Christ. Brothers and sisters, you and I have been cleansed of some pretty bad sins in our lives, right? (laughs) He has said, I'm going to cast those as east is from the west. There is a blessing. Some of them are emotional or physical that we've been able to receive some restoration and some healing. God blesses us in countless ways, but then says, when I bless you, don't just consume it on yourself. Use it to bless others. So the blessing that Abram received, he and his family, was largely the kind of blessing we're enjoying today, the blessing that through the line of Abraham, Messiah, Savior, would come. So that that one, through faith in him, all of us enter into the people of God, like First Peter talked about. There is a great blessing. In other words, whenever we receive that relationship with God through faith in Jesus, to pass it on means we give witness to Jesus. Wherever we have the opportunity, how will they ever hear otherwise? At the same time, when he sends us into this world and actually plants us in a community like he has put us right here in Pasadena, at this time, the 21st century, with the things that are happening all around our world, I sense that he tells us, whatever I have given you, think about that to bless the community I put you in and the world that I put you in. Those who are so ravaged by the effects of sin in this world, poverty and homelessness and alienation. Throughout the Old Testament, it's just the way it was. When God would plant his family in a community or a neighborhood, he said, but you've got to be, you've got to be a family in this world that I put you in in a way that welcomes people that I love, so that when aliens or strangers would come into a place where God's people were, they had to find welcome. They had, to, had food provisions. You know the stories of, about all of that. Into the New Testament, that was underscored again, that, that we are always to take care of the poor and we're supposed to make sure we have eyes open for the widows and, and for orphans. So that whenever we're planted in a place, and brothers and sisters, I, you know I feel this so deeply, God has put us here on this street corner uh, in Pasadena, California for a reason. To give witness to Jesus as the savior of the world, to be witness to God as the one who is the lover of their souls. And we show that by sharing, whenever God gives us the opportunity, the blessings and resources he entrusts to us. So I've written this down for you. Widows and orphans and the poor and the homeless and those getting out of prisons should know that they will not be ignored but blessed when God's people live in a city. God blesses his people so that we will be a blessing to anybody he brings across our paths. I think we often miss this point in our consumer society. We often take these blessings that God gives us, wonderful as they are, and just make them all about us. They really give praise to him. Even in our worship, sometimes we can just rejoice in the blessings and still make it all about us. I thought about that this morning. We were singing that song, and I love to sing it. You're a good, good father. Yes, you are. And I'm loved by you. That's who I am. Somebody eternally loved by the loving God. Anybody else think that those are blessings? If you've been listening to my sermon today, yeah, you didn't want to applaud too fast, did you? 
Because if you've been listening to my sermon today, if you've been thinking that those are blessings, the muscle that you should have is, so Father, being blessed that way, how can I pass that blessing on to others? You're a good, good Father. I'm blessed by knowing that God is good, so how can I help show other people the good things that God brings to those who come to him? How has God blessed me so I can show practically some of his goodness to this world? I'm loved by God, and he loves all people. The muscle should be, how can I give witness so that other people might experience that they, whatever uh, is, is wrecking their lives, can know that they are loved by God. We're blessed to bless others. So when we go, we are to bless. And again, he, he might send you, as he did Abram, into another country. I'm praying that in these days, God will send some of us from Lake Avenue churches to places where the gospel has never been heard. Sometimes he sends us right back into our homes to live for, but as different kinds of people, right? (laughs) Sometimes he sends us right back into the same old workplace we were before, in the same neighborhood, but now we go as those who have been sent by God. Sometimes, and I hope you'll pray about this, he sends us to church, but sends us on over to teach and to mentor our children and our students. Sometimes he sends us out into our neighborhood in order to mentor the children of this community through Lake Avenue Community Foundation. Sometimes he calls us to come alongside the homeless in our neighborhood, perhaps by partnering with people like our wonderful partner, Door of Hope. I want you to commit yourself to being one who goes in the name of Christ, and then wherever you go on any given day, be ready to bless others. And our time's done, but let me just assure you of this. When you go and bless others, you will, my third point, be blessed. God, he shows him two chapters later, chapter 14. Melchizedek king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God, the Most High, and he blessed Abram. I've told you before, you know I have sermon prep time, I call on Tuesdays, so some of the other pastors and directors in our church come and we work on the Bible together, it's so much fun. Uh, This past Tuesday, Janine Smith, who is our newer director of our small group ministries, community ministries, showed me something that I had never seen before. Yes, I have much to learn. She showed me that after Abraham obeyed God in Genesis chapter 12 and left his homeland, then he walked into all these battles and he had three of them at least, and he was depleted even though he'd won the battles. But when he was depleted in no time, chapter 14, beginning with verse 18, he was blessed by an agent of God. The one, because he went, the one who came to Abraham and blessed him was named Melchizedek. It means the king of righteousness. It says he was a priest of El Elyon, the most high God. I don't know if you know this, this Melchizedek, his sudden appearance and then departure in just a couple of verses, I'll tell you, that has led to a lot of people wondering what's going on. Many people think Melchizedek might have been an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. They might be right. But anyway, I want you to know this was a great blessing for Abraham. But I also want you to see, if Abraham had never left his homeland in obedience to God, he would never have met Melchizedek. 
You should say, ooh. Here's the point. Whenever you and I are willing to go wherever God leads us, we find again and again that in blessing others, we are the ones who are blessed. Oh, the team who went to Lebanon told me this all the time, Pastor Mrs. Haddad. Uh, We meet people we would never have met. When we go in the name of God and simply depend upon him, we experience the presence of God in ways we've never experienced it. We see God do things that sometimes we wonder, is God even there? We find our lives, not in the way the world thinks that we find it, but in our settledness into God and in being in the places he would have us to be. Because Jesus didn't give his life to ruin ours. He said, John 10, I have not come to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I can tell you, you and I will never find our lives as people made in the image of God until we've come to learn to live for something bigger than just being in a nice neighborhood or having good shopping. When we go to the mat in obedience to the call of God, you and I find that we experience God and his blessings in new and unexpected ways. Isn't that true? God blesses you and me when we're willing to get out, leave our comfort zones in order to obey God and to bless others. So I'll I'll just summarize it for you. When you meet God, have you met him through faith in Jesus? When you meet God, you're not to be settled into any place, situation, or activity in this world. Not settled the way I've been talking about it. Settled in such a way that you find your identity in being there. You've got to be there to be happy, or I've got to do that kind of job to be happy. I have to have that possession to be happy. We who are made in God's image can find our settledness only in our identity of being God's people and then living, following his leading in our lives. I'll tell you, when we go where God wants us to go and live this life of blessing others, there and only there do we find a life worth living. Do we find a place of belonging that cannot be lost because we are the people of God. We are Abraham's seed by faith in Jesus and all the earth's family will be blessed only if we do what God has told us to do, to go with them to the gospel, to go to bless and then to be blessed. And it will be, I tell you, to the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, simply take this, your word. Speak to us. As somehow you spoke to Abraham so long ago, speak to us. If there are some here who have never met you, may this be the day that they come to know you through faith in Jesus. For the rest of us, Father, who have tried to find our lives in something in this world, we take this time and say, Father, our lives are yours. What would you have us to do? Where would you have us to go? According to your call, as we understand it, Father, and only through the presence and power of your spirit. 
we pray that you would use us to play whatever role you would play through us in your big story. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.